Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Talos Takes. Uh, for the first time on the show, we have Andrew Windsor uh, from Talos. Thanks for coming on, Andrew. Thanks, John. Uh, glad to be here. So since this is your first time uh, coming on, we're going to talk about Solar Marker here first in a second. But first, can you just tell us a little bit about what it is that you do for Talos exactly? Sure. So I'm part of uh, what we call the Threat Intelligence and Interdiction Team. And a lot of our general focus is pretty much on one, hunting for threat actor activity in order to provide uh, actionable intelligence to our coverage teams, customers, you know, our, our partners, and two, to research and provide better context around threat actor activity we observe. So when we're asked something like, well, we see these indicators or this activity, you know, what are we dealing with here? In that sense, we can provide a more holistic and useful narrative, not just in terms of the attack chain itself, but also things like victimology, as well as actor capability and, you know, possible motivations, things like that. As for me specifically, I spend a lot of time in our data sources and telemetry. Also, in that sense, you know, occasionally I am expected to actually do my job of analyzing intelligence. Uh, so I tend to live somewhere in this sort of insane Venn diagram of being a threat analyst and either data science or engineering or whatever, you know, label you want to put on that part. So the, the reason why I wanted to have you on the show this week is because you recently authored a blog post on uh, Solar Marker. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of it's not necessarily a full on threat actor, but more of like a an ongoing campaign that that you have have been tracking. So what can you tell us about your your origins with Solar Marker? This is a threat that kind of carries a, along a few different components with it that can be potentially dangerous to folks. Uh, so what, what can you tell us about the origins of your research with this? Why did it catch your eye? To the bewilderment of many of my coworkers, I actually find analyzing PowerShell pretty fascinating. Uh, and with so many attacks now making use of living off the land techniques, having PowerShell as some part of their execution chain. Uh, anytime I get the chance to to do some like ad hoc hunting, it usually involves me trying to come up with ways to get vis- uh, better visibility into malicious PowerShell calls uh, throughout you know our different telemetry sources, um, especially our endpoint stuff, since we get you know uh, command line arguments and things like that in there. So one common favorite tactic we see a lot is uh, an actor will load up a malicious DLL through what's called uh, reflection. Now, on .NET, this lets you load DLLs, assemblies, and other things up at runtime, which PowerShell has access to. So if you're an attacker, you don't need to execute like a traditional .exe file. You can have PowerShell call into .NET's API and then load up and execute your malware out of a DLL file instead. In SolarMarker's case, we were seeing a bunch of PowerShell calls that were doing some really weird stuff like XORing byte values in this giant array. Um, and this ended up resulting into a malicious DLL file. And then you would then load that through reflection before calling on, you know, the start class method from within that DLL that got generated. Um, that in and of itself is interesting because there's no scenario I can readily think of where like a legitimate piece of software will be doing something that nonsensical. And, you know, once you have that first anchor point, you can then go forward and backwards in execution to try and piece together the entire chain. Uh, so once we decompiled the DLL and saw it wasn't like LimeRet or some other fairly common uh, .NET malware, where it was like, oh, this this looks different, this looks new, I haven't seen this before. You know, that's sort of where the rabbit hole started. I'm going to be linking to the full blog post, and then there's also a cool uh, one-pager 
that we pulled together on this uh, this attached in the blog post. So I will be attaching both of those to the show notes here, so folks can go in and read the post for themselves uh, if they want the super technical breakdown. But there's several modules that that we outline in this post that are we think are, are kind of new to Solar Marker. Can you give us a, a quick overview of what some of these modules are and why they're da- potentially dangerous to users? The first uh, newer one we, we've observed uh, is called Mars, um, and it acts as the staging components, uh, and it replaces the previous stager, which uh, had the label D.M, and this is based on sort of the classes that are contained within the DLL. Like, we didn't make these up. If you decompile it, it literally says Mars and D.M inside of uh, the code, and it essentially reads the same general system information off of the victim host as before, and allows the actor to execute external PowerShell scripts, commands, and executables. But it also cleans up and advances the code base going from the D.M DLLs to the Mars DLL. But in addition to these general changes, there are a few specific ones that are significant. The first is that in some of the latter variants of or later variants of Mars, the actor no longer uses the SolarMarker.dat file to identify a victim host. This had been a real easy tell uh, in telemetry on whether or not you had been infected or not. Instead, now the file name is randomized. And so when we're looking at, you know, slam dunk sort of detection or low hanging fruit, this is no longer the case with that file since uh, it appears the actor sort of caught on to what was going on and was like, I need to change this up. The second change is that they've upgraded their encryption scheme uh, for the communications sent to and from their command and control server. Before, many times we'd be able to actually decrypt the JSON data in the network captures. Now that the encryption key is sent uh, in the initial handshake to the C2, which is then separately encrypted inside of the DLL. So there isn't like a fast and easy way to be able to read the data now to and from the C2. In the later variants of the Mars DLL, the actor has started trying to obfuscate code analysis of their components, specifically, at least in some of the examples we've, we observed uh, using the Dofuscator utility. This attempts to sort of frustrate code analysis done by messing with things like function names, adding empty classes. It just dirties up the decompile code. So when you open it up, it isn't like this nice, clean code base where you can just very nonchalantly go through and be like, oh, I see exactly what's happening here. The other component I like to highlight is one uh, one that's named Uranus. Uh, the file itself is uran.ps1, uh, where we originally found it. This is a keylogger module that we found on some of the older infrastructure that was used earlier in the campaign. This one is interesting since we pulled the file independent of one of the stager components. Um, so we had it in isolation, and it wasn't apparent which decryption method it needed in order to get the actual PowerShell script and DLL back. But I had written up a bunch of Python scripts before to reverse a lot of the uh, encryption schemes that we had seen throughout the campaign and the different variants. So I ended up just running it through all the scripts that I had. And luckily, one of the ones matched and spit the original PowerShell back out. Now, the danger on this one, I would say, is pretty straightforward. You know, As a keylogger, this thing has one purpose, to log every keystroke you make and send all that information back to the actor's C2 you know, on a timer. So if you're accessing your bank account or doing some online shopping, like right there, that's bank and store credentials, as well as things like possibly credit card numbers. If you're in the enterprise, you know, compromised credentials without additional security measures like multi-factor authentication, you know, that's potentially a free pass right into your corporate network. Um, so that one's pretty nasty if it gets on your system. All right. Well, that's all, all really great information. I and mean, I appreciate your, your breakdown of those modules. And I, I really think it 
hits home why this is potentially dangerous to people. That's one of the things that we always try to hit home in our blog posts too, is why someone should care about this. You know, I come from a journalism background, so I always want people to know the who, what, when, where, and whys of, of the situation. Is there anything else though that we missed on this that you'd really want people to take away from the post when they when they read it? Sure, I'll on a couple things here. Uh, one, for as complex as the infrastructure and malware components are, the whole infection chain really comes down to relying on tricking a victim into downloading and then executing a malicious file. And so user education and just kind of a gut check about downloading files from uh, suspicious sources, I think can go a long way here. You know, if you're down at a if you're at a download page that's supposed to be Google Drive and the website domain isn't your corporate domain, if it's you know managed services or Google's, uh, probably think twice about downloading that file. Um, and lastly, if you're interested in this from sort of like a threat analysis perspective. The solar market campaign is a really good case study to be able to observe how a threat actor and campaign and campaign can evolve over time. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, this is a campaign that's gone on for at least about a year now uh, with an actor that makes continuous iterative updates to the malware. And so you can almost get a sense of their development thought process by examining the samples. You know, oh, security researchers can see the network traffic data. Let me change the encryption scheme. Or my stuff is being detected through the solar marker file. Let me change uh, up how that works now. All right, awesome. Well, that's all amazing insight, Andrew. I appreciate it. Uh, and I appreciate your hard work on the blog post and for coming on the show to kind of give us an even, an even deeper look into this. Uh, and then hopefully we'll be able to have you on in, in the future the next time that you uh, discover something like this or just talk about anything else. <laughs> Thanks, John. I appreciate it. It was uh, it's good to be on here.